podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans and joining me this week it's Benji Laniardo, uh, who hasn't been with us uh, for a while. And Benji and I are very excited, aren't we? Because we are in the... Last week we were at Talk Radio uh, uh, with um, uh, Jim Munro, uh, who do we have, Rob Banks and Pete Ward. This week Benji and I are at the premises of um, uh, Football Manager. Yeah, Sports Interactive. Sports Make, Interactive. Makers of Football Manager. They're makers of Football Manager. Nay, yeah, yeah. N- nay Championship Manager. You wasted many profitable hours of your youth playing that when you could have been masturbating. That's right. right. I've actually been looking for this office for much of my life. They oh, owe right. me several months of my teenage of years. Of your teenage years, yeah. And I, and I want them back. Yeah, they're filed away somewhere. Many, many teenagers' lives are contained in... It's a bit like the Matrix, contained in sort of pods uh, <laughs> here... <laughs> if there's, we, a, there, there's a far office where you'll find my all-conquering Grimsby Town team. Right, right. Um, I, I assume what sort of era Grimsby Town, Town this, team? This was that late nineties, early nineties, and, and I took them to the Champions League final with um, Thomas Brolin leading the lineup. Right, right, right. I assume somewhere in here they'll have the plaque dedicated to that. Right, to that, um, to that triumphant and we'll, season. We'll, we'll, we'll dig it out afterwards. Yeah. Was that one of the rare, rare years when Grimsby? Town had uh, Zinedine Zidane up well, front. Well, and, Phil, uh, as any Pelé manager connoisseur it? knows, you have to start from the bottom and right. gradually build your team up with low knees from the top league. And also, there, there used to be these these players that there was some Saudi Arabian right back that if you bought him due to a glitch in the game, you also gained twenty four million pounds. Oh. And then there were players like uh, certain seasons uh, you could buy Ibrahima Bakayoko, who ended up playing in real life. Played for um, she broke up the Beatles. That, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 bef- and. After breaking up the Beatles, Ibrahim Bakayoko played for Everton for one season and was terrible. Right. But on Championship Manager, he was a world conqueror. And the most famous one was um, Cherno Samba, who right. Championship... I've he, never heard of any of he, these Well, players. you shouldn't have. Championship right. Manager is the only reason that Cherno Samba is famous and anyone knows his name. Because on the game, you bought him as a 16-year-old from Millwall and he became the greatest footballer in the history of football. In real life, sadly, <laughs> Cherno's career didn't quite pan out as, right. as, as the algorithm had uh, uh, predicted. And he recently retired. Right. There was a day where he actually re- he was playing out in the Greek fourth division or something like that. He retired, and 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 it w- and it was going viral on Twitter that Cherno, the great Cherno Samba had retired. Wow. Um, um, anyway, we are we are we are in that place we're in where that place they make many it, where dreams it, have been yeah. made and crushed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the uh, the home where the we're at the mother load where where it lives, <laughs> and in fact, um, there are young men who've just had a big delivery of food through uh, Deliveroo, yeah, uh, who are locked in a room playing it, ironing out bugs. That's they? right. In, that's in right. Do you know what short. this this office is also probably single handedly responsible for a huge lack of sex for a lot mm-hmm. of sort of. 16, 17, 18 year old men across the country because obviously that's the only excuse there could possibly be not, yes. not that you're not good at wooing or anything. No, no, it's, no. it's the football game um, so in a, in a way I mean as much as we love this place think of all the children that they have killed yes so maybe we should leave on that note mm. that Sports Interactive we love you thank you for having us but you are child killers it's the greatest contraceptive <laughs> of all time absolutely, football, absolutely. football manager um, prophylactic prophylactic <laughs> football game 
enjoyed by millions of yes. young virgin men. Yes, quite. Yeah, quite. Yeah. So we are in their offices, so, so we're very proud of that. Um, now, we were both at the game at the weekend at West Bromwich Albion. You were at some of it. I was at, yeah. Yeah, at parts of it. I actually yeah, yeah. missed the worst part and watched the best. My car broke down on the way up and me and my poor nephew were, were sitting on the, on the hard shoulder of the M6 waiting for the RAC to turn up, listening to Five, five Live mm-hmm. informing us that we were 3-0 down at yeah. half time. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, uh, I missed half of a uh, game against Wimbledon at uh, the Bolin where I missed our three goals to go 3-0 up against Wimbledon, arrived at half-time and saw the four goals Wimbledon scored in order to beat us 4-3. It was you, Phil. Yeah, it was I was you. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, God, what, what, what a strange But you were in a very game. strange situation because you were in essentially a shit situation, yeah. desperate to get to another shit situation. <laughs> that's often, that's not... But I improved the second shit situation. As far as I'm concerned, I watched West Ham win 2-1. I suppose so, yeah. We yeah. won the second half as the... Uh, and me and my nephew were discussing on the way back that I think we would have felt a lot crapper if we had seen the first half. So actually, we saved ourselves from, from some awfulness and saw some okayness. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, well, God, whatever that was in the second half. It's just a, just a crazy, crazy game, wasn't it? I've, I've watched the highlights since, so I am qualified to talk about it, despite yeah, missing the first yeah, yeah. half. Uh, just an insane catalogue of errors, and uh, that was very true of the kind of uh, Bournemouth... Uh, sorry, not Bournemouth, the... Uh, um, Watford. W- uh, Watford game as well, yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, incredible... Uh, this incredibly newfound fragility at the back. Uh, quite a few of us went. I was standing next to Craig Climpson. Um, Hello, Craig. Uh, Craig very amusingly pointed out right at the beginning of the game um, there's sort of uh, uh, so, some of the kind of livery inside of the West Brom Stadium included um, a picture of a current a massive, massive sort of poster of a, a current West Brom player with the word now. A sort of picture of a black and white, you know, sort of 1940s West Brom picture with the word then. And then another sort of West Brom picture, I can't remember what it was, with forever. And it, so it says now, then, forever, which felt like a really odd tribute to uh, Jimmy Savile. Now <laughs> so then! Going, uh, <laughs> now then, forever. <laughs> now then, now then, forever. Uh, which is very strange uh, and slightly misjudged piece of banner-like postering. Um, yes, a very curious game. I mean, we we had seventy-one percent possession. It's madness, isn't it? Seventy-one percent possession. Twen- I think twenty-three shots to their twenty-three eight. shots to their eight. Though on target they had six and we had five. Uh, we had six corners. They had two. Interestingly, they committed fourteen fouls and we committed six. Uh, yeah, well, I think the, the shots on target one is, is the most telling. That We were so determined to let them score mm. in the first half. I mean, there are, there are so many... I think it's worth us talking about this a little bit, that we, we've got a problem with our defence right now. And actually, it's not a new problem. It's no. something that's been brewing for some time. They mentioned on, on Match of the Day that we've conceded two goals in 12 of our last 15 games. That That is yeah. a problem. Yes. Um, and, and also, I mean, there are a few freak things that have happened. I mean, Masuaku's handball was just madness. He's been pretty encouraging so far considering we expected nothing of him it's very different from Cresswell isn't he he's, he's, he's not a marauder he doesn't really hug the touchline he kind of comes inside and likes to join in build up play and he's looked okay but he's a very I mean he's like a midfielder his touch yeah. is great his trapping of a ball is really good his range of passing is excellent but um, he absolutely lost it he had a mare he, he had a real mare. mare but and then their right winger was really good uh, who was it Chadley or McLean or, uh, McLean I think yeah, might he, have been McLean uh, 
but gave him just a torrid afternoon. It was really. Uh, but the handballs were just inexplicable. That was mad, inexplicable. And there was other, you know, there was errors from 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 Collins. There was an, el- an error from McBonner, who's otherwise solid. Um, and and you and you've got to start wondering what why why is this happening? I was, I was sort of thinking about it yesterday, and I think there's a, a variety of reasons. First, first of all, obviously, is the the injury to Cresswell. It's totally destabilized our, our defense. But was our defense actually that stable in the first place? I, I was looking through the teams that we the, the squads that we put out over the last um, nine months, and I made a pretty startling discovery that we haven't played the same defense twice in a row in which. Uh, there are four senior players playing in their correct positions since January. So I'm talking about a senior player at right back. I'm not, so I, I won't mm. include Byron there. I certainly don't include Antonio there. So a right back who's a right back, a left back who's a re- left back, and two centre backs. It was January. It, it was basically when Jenkinson got injured. That was it. Gone. We had we had no viable plan B. And, but, and but since Byron is a right, he was bought as a replacement right back. Isn't but he, I, mean, but he's I would not to say a he's a. He, he's, but you know he was playing in the youth cup last yeah, year. You know yeah. he, he's certainly not a senior defender. And and and. Then and again, I was looking at how many different players have played at right back since Jenkinson went because mm-hmm. we, we had our right back and our left back until Jenkinson got injured. And you know, you can question how good Jenkinson actually is, but we've had seven different right backs since then. We've, we've yeah. played Jenkinson there, we played Antonio there, we played Byram there, we played Joe O'Brien there, we played Tonkins there, we played Reese Burke there, and of course, you know, now we played Norvite there. And, and it suggests this I, instability. Yeah. And I would add to that that I mean, the, the, the problem uh, started even earlier for me with. Um, um, Stephen Hendry. If they don't like him, you know, he's like a backup left. He's our only backup left back. Mm. So they bought this guy. We had Cresswell. So we had one left back, one left back in the whole squad. We bought this other guy, but we just don't seem to like him. We've don't, I don't even know where he is now. He might be on loan, but you know, he hasn't, he was playing Burke at left back a couple of weeks ago. So our backup left back is not good enough to play. In which case, We've had him for a long time and should presumably have sort of sold him and bought a better one, one that we do like. It's, it can't, you can't just go, I've got, we've got this guy, but we don't really fancy him very much and have, have him pull down a wage, have him go, you know, whether you're going, he's one for the future or he's just a little bit disappointed. We're going to let his contract run down. You can always sell him to a, you know, it's probably that he's on premiership wages, so they can't get a kind of league one club to buy him. Um, but, but the irony was just we, mad. We, we weren't even playing Hendry in the cups last year. You know? No. No, that's you, right. He's not. He's, he's obviously not good enough. Or league, they don't league, fancy him. Absolutely. Like, you know, League Cup and and sadly, let's face it, FA Cup games are an opportunity to to try out your 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 second string team. Yeah. And and he didn't even bother playing Hendry then. No. So surely they must have known. I mean, you know, we haven't had a huge amount to complain about um, in terms of our squad over the last little while. On paper, it looks very very strong, but now it is a glaring glaring weakness that we had no backup left back, and really we had no backup right back. No. And well, I think. Um, and we sold our backup right back yes, in Tonkins. That's right. We sold Tonkins and then the injury to Cresswell happened. And I think, you know, your back four works as a unit. And um, I think we've now got, you know, a set of guys that don't really know each other, don't haven't really worked together much and sort of slightly don't trust each other and don't know what to do. You know, when Ogbonner got sort of penned into the corner and sort of tried to sort of play it out rather than, you know, obviously it would have just been better to just kick it into touch, you know, literally a foot away from him, kick it over the dead ball line, you know, and give them a throw in. But he turned around, tried to play it, got closed down. But I think possibly players that knew each other's game, someone might might have made themselves more available along the touchline so that he could have passed it to them and stuff. And, you know, 
four guys that work a lot together in familiar positions will sort of will know what to do with each other and know that they can you know make themselves available for each other i think that um you know there's been a lot of sort of talk since the weekend's game about tomkins about selling tomkins and and you know there's there's got to be a statute of limitations on talking about him because he's gone but i make no secret that i was a fan and thought that we shouldn't have got rid of him didn't help that he I, scored the weekend no <laughs> yeah. i also you know for me he was quite possibly, even when we had all four centre-backs, in the top two of those centre-backs. He certainly wasn't the fourth-choice centre-back, I didn't think. I think, you know, Collins was, because he's sort of ageing and stuff like that. But also, there's the blend of the two. Uh, um, with Reed and Collins, you've just got stoppers. Uh, that Neither of them are particularly comfortable on the ball. Neither of them has true. a good range That's of passing. True, yeah. I'd say... I've said this before. I think if you looked at all four of our centre backs, said who's the best tackler? I think Tomkins is the best tackler. You know, he he was very good at the last ditch tackle in the penalty area that didn't give away a penalty. Very good at that. Um, uh, very good header of the ball. Uh, most comfortable on the ball and possibly the best passer, along with Ogbonna. I'd say Ogbonna might I mean, be the most He was definitely, like, it, it, we were in great shape last year and that we had four excellent centre-backs and mm. the kind of, the, 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 the continued excellence of Collins, I think, surprised everybody. I think yeah. Collins was actually our best, even though he's not, he isn't our best centre-back, he was last year. And I, and I, and I think that, Again, though, there is this incredible short-sightedness in thinking, A, Collins will just maintain his form mm. at his age, despite playing a, ta- playing a tournament in the summer as well, and B, Creswell will never get injured. Yeah. And, 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 and also, let's face it, C, that Antonio can be a right-back, which he just can't. No. Um, and, and it just seems, whilst we've really strengthened impressively in midfield, and we can talk about the attack in a minute, because actually we've got a problem there as well. Mm. But, but ultimately, I think the issue with our, with our defence is that, like you say, totally correctly the defence should work as a unit. And when a unit is working together properly, confidence breeds confidence. Yeah. And right now, what we're seeing is nervousness breeds nervousness. That's and, right, yeah. And that's where these mistakes come from. Because, you know, we did not play that badly against West Brom. We did not play that badly against um, against Watford. We certainly attacked well. I mean, you know, in, in, in the first half an hour against Watford, it was real, you know, Ole football. And mm. having Lanzini back playing really as the linchpin of our midfield is fantastic to see. He's got the number 10 on his back and he's playing like a number 10, you know. Well, as a sort of you know, more withdrawn number 10. But he, yeah. he is the axis around which our forward play now pivots. Yeah. And... That looks really, really good. We've got the issue around the centre forward, which we can talk about shortly. But, yeah. but, but ultimately, we've got a good side. We've, we, we are the team that was excellent last year isn't suddenly going to become crap this year. No. But clearly, the defence needs a run of games in which four of them are playing as the four of them. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and and they don't muck it up and throw it away. No, and and there's also, I, I say this with great, great trepidation. You've got to wonder what Julian Dix is doing. Like, he, he is a senior member of, of the coaching staff. He's a defender. My concern is that he had, you know, this looks like a, this is maybe putting two and two together and making five, but he, he, he had a serious problem with discipline as a player. And one of the issues that our defense has right now is discipline. You know, if you're, I, 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 I think you can connect those thoughts. I don't think he I, I, actively goes, what you should do is punch the other team player in the face. You know, of course, of course. But, you, but the reason he was brought in was as a bridge between Billich and, and, and West Ham and they were and they were teammates and and of course Dix you know but his only coaching role was the West Ham ladies before 
um, you know, becoming a, a Premier League coach. Like, I, I do, I do wonder whether Bilic has got enough. And, I, and I'm picking out Dix because I, I know him. Well, Bilic I was if, a defender as well. I mean, yeah. But I, he, he has to look at the, the, the full picture. I wonder if he's got enough specialists around him that are really coaching them properly. Yeah. I, I, I just don't, I don't know. know what the coaching setup is. I mean, Maybe. I don't know what they do. But I mean, you know, it would, you know, if it was somehow the responsibility was Dix's. It's, it's it, you know, the fact that the defence just changes every week. And who's in the defence well, changes quite. every week? Well, and Antonio quite. just not being not being a right back and uh yep yeah, I, I i think it was just mad to get rid of tomkins you know the other thing is that you know tomkins would have i think played on saturday because collins 100%. is collins is and reeds you know reed is is enormously hot and blows hot and cold totally you know agree, yeah. he is uh can be inspirational winston reed but can also have very ordinary games i you know and make errors tomkins made mistakes as much as central defenders make mistakes but actually I thought he was pretty reliable, Tompkins. I thought he was a pretty reliable. I can't player. think of many yeah. massive clangers. No, that I can't. You know. And also, we didn't. We got what ten he's million also pounds. Played. In. He's been at the club for a long time and has played with all three of the other Absolutely. central defenders. Yeah. And he's played with the right back and he's played with the left back. And the only way that I, ju- I I could mentally justify it when he went was that we were doing him a solid. We were doing a good deed in that he wanted guaranteed first team football, and somehow Crystal Palace has said that you're going to get guaranteed first team football. What pissed me off then is that. He hasn't started the no. first four games. No. I mean, you know, he started the weekend. That was the first time he Got started. Injured, didn't he? But I mean, I but, think. You but, know, but still, yeah. I think that again, you can just just about justify that. Either way, it's a very strange decision from the club. Well, you know, Palace presumably, like any good team should have, had had a a, a quota of central defenders that Collins would have to break their cartel Tomkins, to get into that yeah. so Tompkins would have yeah. to break their cartel to get into the team you yeah. know I mean I think he's putting uh, a lot of stock in the Reeses as well I think it, it, we we have to hope that one of the two out of Burke and Oxford comes good um, and at the moment to be honest I think I've been more impressed with Burke recently than, than Oxford you know Oxford is having a lot of hot air blown in his direction and he mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily done much to justify it apart from that one performance against Arsenal where he was he was pretty good last year um, but, but either way if you're going to sell Tompkins surely surely you bring in an another national standard centre-back you know it's someone who you know will do a job and it's the same with the right back thing like I, I think the truth is we know that Sam Byron probably isn't good enough he's had his chance now and I actually like, consider that we bought him at the same stage in his career that we bought Cresswell at Cresswell is the standard Cresswell came in and within yeah. four or five games was playing at the level necessary Byron's had four or five Byron games Byron got now. injured didn't he I mean he he I thought he looked all right, and then he got injured, and Antonio got played at right. Back. I think that, it, but also it, he was trying to. Once he started playing Antonio at right back, he absolutely Billich had a kind of strange, you know, e day fix that this is what he wanted to do. But if Byron was good Antonio. enough, if Byron was good enough, he would have played there. Same with the weekend. No, but he wanted and he wanted to include Antonio for his attacking abilities, but he also wanted the three. What Billich wanted was to have his cake and eat it. Was going there's this guy that you know the fans really like. He's scoring goals and stuff, but I've got you know Lanzini, Pae, and and Victor Moses. How can I get them all in the team together? And yeah. I mean, that, that was part of that Antonio thing. I don't think he necessarily thought that Antonio was a better right back than Byram. He just thought, I can play this guy, get him to be a right back, but also get him to, you know, score goals at the other end. You just go, come on, man. Yeah. It's like, 
I, th- I think it's probably both, isn't it? I think I think that Antonio certainly wasn't a right back, and you're right. He was trying to just whatever way possible crowbar his best players into the team, but also that Byron clearly wasn't good enough to be trusted there. I, th- I, I, I think it's looks a, all right, you know. I, I, I don't feel like we've seen that much of him, but he sort of looked I, okay. Personally, I think I've seen enough to think. Having seen, as I said, Cresswell's the standard. Mm. He came from he came from the championship. He was young, same sort of age, and very quickly was obviously a Premier League player and a really excellent one. And I think that Byram, and unfortunately that's how brutal the Premier League is now. If you play four or five games and you, and you put in five or six out of ten performances, you probably, you, you probably won't get another chance. What did you make of Jenkinson then? Because I would, you know, Jenkinson... Not good enough as right. far as I'm concerned. So, like, like Byram... I mean, so, I he had a lot going for him when he, when he sort of first came for us. Some of those crosses, he was scoring, he scored was, goals. He was fine. He was, he, was all, he was very rarely crap. I mean, there was a few games in which he was awful against the Bournemouth, disastrous, for example. Yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. But... but but he would—he was rel- relatively consistent. I thought like he would always give you a six out of ten performance, occasionally a seven. But I, I think that if you've got aspirations of being a top half of the Premier League table, you need them to have occasional eights and nines. Yeah. And 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 and, and, and Jenkinson just had a very low ceiling. He he was quite sort of bread and butter. Never never gave you anything spectacular. And I and and I think it was right to think we were we always had to improve upon him if possible. And I just certainly don't think Byram is an improvement. If anything, I think he's worse. than No, Jenkinson. no, I think he's probably is a bit yeah. worse than Jenkinson. I thought Jenkinson was good on his day. But also, you know, we, we, we if you do have marauding fullbacks that get forward, you have to have centre-backs that kind of cover. Uh, Reed and Collins are kind of good readers of the game. Big time. But, Collins especially. But are not super mobile. No. And no. If, you're, if you're right back has just finished a lung-busting run and is in the other half of the pitch and the ball comes back over, you've just got to be mobile. And, you know, we, 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 we can't keep talking about Tompkins, but Tompkins was quite quick and quite good at getting back and good at getting across Definitely. and good at covering. And, yeah, and, and you also, I think they need, they need, somebody needs to be established as the leader of that defence. Uh, well, well, the I undroppable centre-back. And, yeah. and I'm not sure any of them are well, that. I mean, I don't know if Ogbonna took some kind of knock at the beginning of the season, but when, when our favoured pair was Collins and Reed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking... I didn't see Ogbonna do much wrong last season at all, and he's good on the ball. He's got a better range of passing than either Reed or or Collins. Uh, what's going on? Why? Uh, totally. Yeah. You know. You know. And there is a sort of Collins had a bit of a mare last week. You know that that sort of very poorly thought out head back to uh, yeah. Adrian. Yeah, you know, he had a really bad game and was, you know, rewarded with go again, son, this week, mm. which is absolutely fine. Was you Reed, should... Was Reed on the bench this week? No, I think he might have been injured. Maybe he might have had a little yeah, knock, not, you not know, so not much. So because that was with, the reason. Without... without but um, even before, before then, Ogbonna did seem to have been dropped in as... as as our favoured central defensive pairing was Collins and Reed. We just want some consistency now, don't we? Like, even if they make mistakes, pick your, pick your two and, 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 and stick to it. Yeah. Like, because again, once they've got an understanding, you'd never get that absurd situation for their fourth goal when every single outfield player we've got is in the top third of the pitch. Mm. You, like, for a corner. Yeah. Like, that is, Defending one hundred and one, keep someone on the halfway line for yeah. fuck's sake! You know that was that was embarrassing. That was genuinely embarrassing. And you think that with a real solidity at the back, those kind of crazy things just shouldn't happen, and no. the mistakes should start drying up. We just have to wait and see. But this is a real test now. Like going going five games and losing you know, five games into the season, losing four. 
this is the first but major test that Bilic has to face, yeah. and we have to see how he stands up to it. And 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 ironically, there's also the issue at the other end of the pitch. We, we, you know, I I missed it, but you were saying that Zaza basically was anonymous. Just while we're on defending, just to finish it off, just Masuaku did have an extraordinary sort of mare of a game. That that ball was going out, and he, it's like you know. There is, there does seem to be a thing with kind of top flight footballers that they will try cheeky things that they know are illegal. Like that kind of (laughs) shove in the back of another player as you're both kind of running to the dead ball line or something. And the referee would just blow up and go, um, why did you shove him in the back? The ball's going out of play. He's going, and you just pushed him in the back. And now I'm going to give a penalty to that team. What on earth made you do that? And it does seem to be like there's almost this, this, this sort of neat, I mean, Reed's quite dirty in the penalty totally, area. He tries yeah. sort of stuff that he's hoping the ref isn't going to see. He's, he's good at the dark arts. Yes, definitely. that's right. You know, he's a real dark arts player and that, that, but just that weird, you see it where they'll just do a little handball when the ball comes over, you know, but they'll, they'll have the ball quite close to their head and, you know. But still do it anyway. But just do it anyway. Do you think and it's... That it's, ball going over the top of Masuaku's head, he just helped it along its way with yeah. this with this touch that was just In front insane. of the ref. And there was a weird, his thing, you know, when the breakaway came, it, he ran to sort of make himself available for a short corner. Then when Paye took it, didn't seem ready. <laughs> or Pie might have slightly overhit, you know, but, but some, you know. It made me think Masuaku's, you know, Masuaku's ball into the box off the back of that short corner was dreadful. He, 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 just had a, he had a very strange game. And, and before he, before the handball for the penalty, he gave a, he handballed it to give away the free kick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me think, is it, you know, is it, is, it, is he taking some money for that like, number of handballs in the very first? Strange, <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe, you know, maybe strange... it's like the last days of Rome ahead, ahead of, um, video technology coming in. They're all going to try yeah. and like cram in as many bits the of misdemeanors as, as they can. Yeah. yeah. And his strange kind of up and under kick, which that was, was just crazy. a nightmare. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, that's, it's a missed kick. It's sort of all right. When the third went in, I said to Craig, and I was yelling at them, it's not half time yet. And their heads were down from the two goals that had been scored. And they went to defend this corner. And I literally went, this is going to be a goal. This is going to be a goal. You know, it's it's on the stroke of half time. It's the perfect time to score. A team, a football team, has got a corner on the stroke of half time. You can't, how many times does that happen? Except this isn't a team that wants to get back into the game. This is a team that's already two goals up. And I just knew it. And it was... A lack of discipline, but also a weird lack of sort of motivation. Um, against Bournemouth, the heads really went down. And the heads were down when that third goal Watford, went in yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Watford, yeah. yeah. Um, why do I keep calling them Bournemouth? Anyway. It's because uh, Bournemouth did us 4-2 last year. They did us 4-2 last year, yeah. That's maybe what I'm thinking of. Mm. But um, yes, there's a strange kind of malaise of sort of heads going down that was not the case last season. We've got it very much not the case last season. In fact, you know, there were a couple of games when we got scored against early where I literally said, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. The Palace yeah. one, I we equalised within about a minute and a half and knew. I knew we were going to. 
It just didn't matter. It's, it, it, it's, it's about momentum now. And unfortunately, at the moment, we're on a bit of a downward momentum. And, and this is a real test of Billich because nothing much went wrong for Billich last year. No. And, and now some fairly significant things have, have gone wrong, including, well, first of all, Cresswell, and also the, our, our ridiculous run of luck with our strikers. And, yes. and, 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 and you were saying that you thought Zaza was... Because I missed the first half, therefore missed Zaza. Right. I mean, what happened? He was... Um you know, he was good against Watford in the first half. A lot of people uh, don't accept that. They think he was dreadful in both games. Uh, I didn't think he was. So he was good in the first half against Watford. He was good in the build-up play. Um, uh, very good at sort of one touch. He was trying to move the ball forward, make himself, himself available. Around a lot he, on Saturday, was just absolutely static. It, it, my only thought was that he... Part of his game is to take the ball at his feet with his back to goal and sort of turn. Uh, so he more or less just stuck to the large central defender that he was with and faced our goal waiting to get the ball. And it's not good enough there were no the kind league, of forward, yeah. you know, forward, there were no runs into space. Uh, he just faced, yeah, faced his own team and waited for the ball to come to. Do you know what? It's, it's a, this is this is maybe a huge generalisation, but it's a way a hell of a lot of Italian strikers play. You think you think no. of, you know, people like um, or you know, or people that people that play there. Sorry, the the, uh, the Argentinian who's uh, who's just gone to um, Juventus. Uh, Higuain played oh, like yeah. that. Um, a lot of them play like that. They're quite big, and they, yeah. and they and they hold it up and lay it off. Yeah. I think my concern with, with Zaza is if, if you think about the players who've really succeeded, the strikers, sorry, that have really succeeded in the Premier League over the last two three years, they 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 broadly fall into two categories. You've either got your your um, small, hardworking, good finishers um, who are incredibly quick, and you've got players like Vardy and Aguero and Defoe, Defoe. Yeah. or you've got essentially your big bullies. So you've got um, Lukaku. Diego Costa, Benteke, Troy Deeney, um, Andy Carroll when he when yeah. he's on form. Zaza, I think, isn't one or the other, um, and, and and that worries me. And neither's Caleri. And it, and it's why I I, I I still think that you know obviously we need Sacco back, and well we don't know quite whether Sacco will well, come back yeah, or if he fancies him. Um, and, and and Carroll's a big one, but we just can't rely on Carroll. But again, it's it's so frustrating that whilst we've got an absolute wealth of of, of attacking midfield players at the moment, um, that that it's difficult to get them all in, and we've and we've got no one up front to face them towards. And I wonder, and I'm, I'm not the first person to say this, I wonder whether poor old um, dependable, malleable Antonio could be made into a centre forward. He's got all of the attributes. He is incredibly quick. He's powerfully strong. He clearly knows where the goal is. He's good in the air. Um, I, I can't help feeling that he would, you know, this is obviously, you know, not giving Zaza much of a chance. But as I said previously, if you go four or five games and you don't do anything in the Premier League, then you should not be there. So he obviously deserves more of a chance. But yeah. I, I wonder if our eventual backup and a reliable backup who tends not to get injured very much would be Antonio. Possibly, yeah. Um, I I think for the way that Bilic plays, I... I I, do, I don't think it should be Andy Carroll because I think we've seen five across midfield with Andy Carroll. You know, when, when he tried it last season away at Spurs, we just got spanked 4-1. And what it was, <laughs> yeah, was right. it was an Allardyce performance. Right. It was just an Allardyce performance. You're right. like he's- Andy is just jogging around to keep warm. And what he does when he's in that position is he quite often to get involved comes back and sort of joins with the build-up play when he's not really needed. He's like if a lightning you've rod. Got, you know, if you've yeah. got 
as part of your build-up play, you've got Paye, Lanzini, whoever, Antonio. You don't need someone else so that a kind of a, a pass goes just one more pass in, yeah. in this sort of build-up play. You know, you. Uh, I think... You, you know, what worked well last season was we were sort of predicated on a kind of uh, um, counter-attacking style uh, that, that meant breaking quickly. And if you need him, you've got one hell of a plan B and Andy Carroll yeah. sitting on the bench. Yeah. And uh, that's my position entirely. I, tot- I totally agree. And, and, and the problem with starting with Andy Carroll is he's almost, because he's such a weapon at that one thing, mm-hmm. it, it's so tempting to always want to press that button. Yeah. When actually the cleverer thing to do more often than not is not press that button when, yes, to build right. the player when they you know. know he's there they put a big defender on him totally you know, it was like, it was like and it was, do you know what it was like when towards the end of Shearer's Shearer's time as, uh, for England he dictated the way we played his presence on the pitch mm. dictated the way we played and, and Andy Carroll does the same thing and and, and, and I, yeah I, I still even though with everyone fit would start Sacco if Sacco yeah. had, had his, his, his whatever his problems are sorted out anyway anyway you know we have to wait and see Southampton's huge it's really really important for, for lots of reasons for for the fact that that we haven't, you know, has a centre forward scored for us this season? Obviously not, because Antonio's no. got everybody goal. Can we go through a game without making too many stupid mistakes? Yeah. Can we can we stop the heads from dipping when we concede a goal? Like, can we can we arrest this? And I think it it is the first big test of of, of Billich's time, yes, and, and we have is, to see yeah, it yeah. and see how how he gets on. Yeah, I think he's got to settle on a kind of a back a, a back four and sort of start that four and the season starts again. Yeah, it's very nervy and every mm. game, you know, the, we were um we had high hopes for uh this game because it was away from home. Yeah. It's suddenly yeah. that thing that the the Olympic Stadium is uh, uh uh you know, in front of a kind of uh Quite emotionally charged crowd that are already slightly pissed off, and well, um, there's two issues: is the football, and then there's what's going on in the stands at the yeah, moment. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Which is your, which is the issue of uh, standing up. Which we, um, we'll probably talk about it a little bit now. Uh, unless there's any other business arising from the game at the weekend, I think we picked the probably, bones. Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, uh, you would like to talk about the kind of uh, standing thing. We talked a bit about it last week with the, uh, the David Sullivan letter. and uh, um, But uh, I had a little exchange sort of on Facebook this week uh, and uh, um, with someone who... who you know, was saying was was you know, it's interesting. What it, what what it, what I came away from it thinking was that uh, um, there was quite a lot of talk about the, you know my experience of the game. I I'm happy to sort of sit and watch. Uh, I'm happy to do this. And I'm not for a second saying that the that the person I was kind of communicating with was was is is sort of um, you know lazy or not contributing or anything. It's just that maybe. It's just a modern phenomenon that people see themselves as consumers and the experience that they kind of buy is uh, how they value... Entertainment. You know, yeah, yeah, how they value their day out. And um, I think that there are... I mean, I did did sort of, in in the discussion, I did say, because I happen to know that, that, that he's got kind of connections with the music industry, I sort of said, you know... But you go and see gigs and, and they are, you know, you stand up, a lot of those gigs you stand up or I'm specifically talking about gigs where you stand up. Uh, and uh, um, a certain amount of kind of noise and stuff is required by that audience. Theatre, opera, ballet, the cinema are different. It's not required. But when you sort of take that further, uh, certain other types of events are literally sort of participatory. You're paying 
For the to, atmosphere. Y- yeah. For the atmosphere. But also, yeah. you have to be the atmosphere. Absolutely right. You, you know, are exactly you, that. You know, exactly in that. the same way that you pay for a sort of a bungee jump, you have to then do something yeah. in the bungee jump. You yeah. know, the, you're giving the bungee jump people some money, but you have to do something. You've got to jump off the cliff. You can't... They're not going to sort of jump off the cliff for you. Uh, and And if you talk about the, the atmosphere of a football game as a consumer and talk about whether it's good or bad it's absolutely fine if you're you know elderly or infirm and you're not, not a big jumper up and down and you don't stand and you don't sing and stuff but you have to be aware of that that it is coming from somewhere it's coming from some other people in the ground and a lot of those people are standing up and, you know and do you know what Almost all of them are going to be standing up. Let's let's not mince about it. Like like everyone's trying to trying to be quite delicate about it. Most like, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying online people trying trying to. Anyway, the point is, you look for the atmosphere in a football stadium. It will almost always be coming from the section that is standing. They will start the chance. They they will be the ones that, that will sustain it. You know, people football would be nothing without atmosphere. It would it would die. It'd be yeah. absolutely dead. Um. So. Those people creating that atmosphere that you are putting on your press releases and your marketing collateral and your season ticket sign up forms, they are the ones that are standing. Now, the, the thing that is, that is, so, so my position is, is, is a, a, I guess a relatively interesting one in that I sit, I sit with my, my, my uncle who's relatively elderly and needs, he needs to sit. Um, so I'm very conscious that I want there to be places where people can sit. And we are lucky that we're in a, we're in a place where, where, where everyone is sitting. However, I passionately believe that people have to be able to stand. And if anything, in certain areas, they should be encouraged to stand. Yeah. And, 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 and ultimately, though, there is this kind of false dichotomy that has come along, saying that, oh, well, you're either standing or you're sitting. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. These things are not mutually exclusive. You can... It, like, look at Upton Park. There were areas that were just de facto standing areas, yeah. and, and people stood there. And stood there all area, game. Stood all game. And there were areas... I sat in the East End Upper, and people uh, upper and people sat there. That's the way it was. Yes, it might have taken a few years for everyone to migrate in, in, in their respective directions. But the, the, the other argument, which I find quite empty, is... The, you know, and, and, and the club needs to be careful with this, saying that, oh, if you want to get the extra 7,000 seats, you know, the rules are the rules and we won't be able to expand the stadium um, if people are standing up. Well, fuck the 7,000 seats then. Because yeah. if, if you want that 7,000 seats at the expense of atmosphere, then, then, then you won't fill them in the first place. What happened at Upton Park, uh, I mean, I after it became all-seater, after the Taylor Report and after we got you know back into the Premier League in, in 93 or whenever it was, we finally made it to... We made it one year late, didn't we? But I think all-seater came in a couple of years after the inception of the Premier League. I'd say... Um, that's probably about 20 years ago, 22 years ago, and we've stood continuously yeah. throughout the 90 minutes for over 15 of those Forever. 22 years. Forever. There yeah. was a while when the, when, when the club sent letters to you and stewards were going, please sit down, please sit down, but they stopped doing it because, you know, I think they just, they knew what happens. That letter from the club last weekend was very telling because it, it didn't, uh, Benji, I think you could. Because it's like-minded fans. Yeah, you couldn't remember, you could, I, I can't quite remember the wording of it, it but. Was like, but they. Like-minded fans. The, the letter didn't explicitly, didn't explicitly forbid or condemn sitting. And it also said, we're trying to find a way through this where like-minded fans exactly, can yeah. all be together. Sullivan Gold know what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, the, uh, 
you know, famously the most sort of sedentary football fans in London are Arsenal's fans, many of whom are my friends. There are areas where they say we stand all game. No one makes us sit. So, you know, and if that's they are getting fines, is. let's say they get two, like two, three grand a week or whatever it is for not, for failing to control their, 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 their standing supporters, pay the fines. Just pay it. Mm. Like, it, it, let's say it's 10, 20,000, you know, te- or let's say it's 50,000 pounds they're getting fined a week. Essentially, it's like signing a new player. They've got to spend yeah. 50, pay it. Because, because nothing will replace the atmosphere if it dies. If it, like, yeah. and the, the mistake that has been made here is, is simply, and this is something that is slightly reprehensible, is that rather than just transpose Upton Park into the, the, the first sort of 30, 40, 50, however many rows of the Olympic Stadium, so, you know, East Stands on the East Stand, West Stand, whatever, so that people are essentially with their mates, with the same people around them, they've done this stupid tiering system, whatever, so that they get as much money as possible and can offer some of the good new seats to, to new, to, to new fans. And that's, that's the cock up. Um, I do think that ultimately, though, we are currently going through what will be a pretty painful um, tran- transition process. And it, who knows? It might take three, four years for people to gradually um, migrate to to their respective areas, the cities and the standards. And we can expect it will take a while to get better. Mm, mm. But but I think that letter that, that you mentioned is very encouraging because it seems to suggest a sort of a, a tacit acceptance that, yes, we know there needs to be, in inverted commas, standing areas that aren't standing areas yes yeah and uh you know post the post the trouble um there there was a little bit of um you know talk on facebook and in the facebook group of uh, well them's the rules and we have to abide by the rules we have to sit and you know as we've just said it's like yeah, well no. so certain rules are not they're no, not I right mean, that, and i that's i nonsense. in the in the in the facebook chat i had i said well sometimes there are rules and regulations that, that are wrong uh uh TTIP, uh, the Second Amendment, <laughs> the Second Amendment, um, segregation in, in America in the 60s, that's wrong. Apartheid is wrong, uh, you know. And I said, that, you know, and for some, and I, I said, you know, Rosa Parks, Nelson Mandela, you know, the phrase, them's the rules, <laughs> that's not the end of the conversation. They go, oh, yes, oh, right, okay, so there's apartheid. Okay, right, yeah, I accept that. That's fair, fair enough. enough. You know, and um, and then someone joined in the Facebook thread that went, just because you play the Mandela card, <laughs> this is to me, just because you play Phil, the Mandela you have, card. You have played the Mandela yeah, card. I played the fair, Mandela. Yeah. Just because you played the Mandela card doesn't make you right. He was a fucking terrorist anyway. Oh, <laughs> Phil, what have you done? Unless you think blowing up people at train stations is okay i'd said that they were allegories i'd said uh you know ttip blah blah second amendment apartheid you know uh these are allegories i'm using there are other examples of sort of rules where perhaps the rule is wrong so you try to change the rule um so uh so i didn't i didn't answer that the mandela thing so the guy went uh oh all i have to do is say mandela and that doesn't kill any that that, and that kills any argument you put forward (laughs) thanks for that card in the oppression top trump deck to which i sort of thought wow no i mentioned mandela (laughs) (laughs) i mean you didn't mention mandela and it killed my argument i mentioned him and it supports my argument then then they went I think six million Jews killed in the Holocaust tops him, though. After all, there was no World War fought over his oppression, was there? 
It's amazing how quickly... Uh, yeah, yeah. All-seater stadiums. On, on all-seater stadiums. <laughs> all-seater stadiums. That's what we're on. Can uh, descend. Anyway, in the end, I kind of went, um, I, you know, I, yeah, are you all right, mate? And he sort of went, anyway, I've seen your Mandela, and I raise you in Iraq under Saddam Hussein. Excellent. And that was... Excellent. I just... I stopped really I, and replying Do you know what? To that. be honest, I think that totally resolves the issue. It does, yeah. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I think... Um, I think all discussions about uh, uh, crowd control at football matches should essentially be about oppressive regimes. Well, I think that if, if, if nothing else, they should all lead towards the Iran-Iraq war yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in some way. Um, and, and, and in fact, you know what? Someone needs to get in contact with Golden Sullivan and let them know that we've actually cracked it. Yeah, that's right. Yes. It's, it's somewhere in the... Anal- it's some- something in 1981 around, the, you know, the, the Persian Gulf. Yeah. That's where the answer is. That's where the answer is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think we've uh, we've more or less solved that issue. Uh, so that... You're welcome. Possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I knew if we got Send together... the invoice to Sports Interactive. Yeah, um, I, knew if yeah. We, uh, I knew if we got round the table and uh, just uh, swore about dictators, we would, <laughs> we would finally thrash out the thought issue of all-seater stadiums uh so um i think that's probably about it for this week um um so southampton uh is coming up that sunday is that I think it's sunday, sunday four it? o'clock yeah, the, yeah. Uh, oh, i'm really nervous about it well i I'm mean really every game now it. is a sort of yeah. that but you know i mean it was a terrible season and he really was not a very good manager, but that Avram Grant season, the fixture computer just gave us a horrific run of opening games and we really lost a lot. We sort of, we did what we were expected to do and lost everyone and it was just a nightmare start that was difficult to recover from and boy, I mean, one, one, lost four now. And do you know what, mate? Really that, not that, good. So the Uncle Jeff coefficient, which plots us against the previous season's results, the, yeah. the, the, the famous Uncle The same Jeff. fixture the previous year. Exactly, with the replacing promoted and yeah. relegated teams. Um, we're already on minus seven. Wow. And the next four, maybe even five games last year, we won them all. Right. So there could be absolute carnage in the Uncle in Jeff, the Uncle Jeff um, al- algorithm generator yeah, yeah. Over, over the next four or five weeks. I think we have to uh, we have we have to hold hold our breath and hope for the best, but it it it, it is a momentum issue now. Mm. If we lose again, you start worrying. I, yeah. I, I think that Billich has obviously I think got a lot of credit in the bank from a fantastic season last yeah. year, but you know y- y- it would be absolute disaster if we were to get relegated in our first season mm. in, in the Olympics. Oh stadium. my god, we are de- there are definitely three worse teams than than us in the league. Yeah, but. We, we, you know, it, it starts getting worrying if we lose on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the the degree to which heads went down was very worrying in those last couple of games. Uh, Zaza in that first half was not only kind of ineffective, but he looked sort of pissed off and, you know, kind of sulky in his kind of second game. If he feels he's not getting the service he he needs to do, you know, to do his thing. It's not how the Premier League works, though. No. You just can't that be that be, kind of striker. No. You need to give and get as a striker um and and i think that it sounds like he was he was, he was doing neither but, but he was you know he was good in the in the, the first Watford, part there were good signs yeah we just we, good in that first he, half. for him and for the whole team right now this, this is that if zaza starts again which i hope he does because yeah. we need to give him a chance this is a time for them to really pull their finger out yeah 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 i mean he's had one one bad game and one good game exactly. so it's exactly. it's it's he, he needs another chance and you know it was champagne football in the first you know, half against uh you know the all the 
you know, the fantastic cross from oh, Paillet yeah. for Antonio's finish. It was champagne football. And Lanzini capable. in the second half, I you thought was fantastic yes. um, this weekend. As uh, as Pete Ward said last week, you know, if we if we play like we played in that first half against Watford for 75 minutes of every match, we're going to sort of win enough games to stay in the division. But I mean, we just cannot have these horrific sort of blunders no, no, every it. game. It's just gifting them goals. T- take them out, we would have won both games. So yeah. that's the key. We need to stop making the mistakes and and re- and rely on our ability to score which we can because we've got we've, we've actually we've got a world class forward in, mm-hmm. in, our, in our team with Paye and plenty of other excellent support players as well yeah prediction oh I think a really nervy 2-1 2-1 yeah to us I think we're going to do it but it's going to be a, a winner in the last 10 minutes from yeah. us yeah yeah uh, we need a game like that at the OS as well yes yes a big one I'm going to go for a win. 3-2. Three, 3-2 two. Three, two to us. That'd be, that'd be delicious. 3-2 to us. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that would still... Still two goals. Still leaking two goals, but, you know, scoring enough. I think we to, have to uh, assume we'll continue yeah. at least one, Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my name's been Phil Whelans. Uh, with me has been Benji Lanyardo. Good night. Thank you, Benji. Come on, you irons. If you like this podcast, come and join me, Mark Webster, for the Whistleblowers, a weekly show that looks at the topics that all football fans are discussing this week at thewhistleblowers.net. And it happens to be brought to you by the same lot that produced this one. Sports Social Podcast Network.